Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 162 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. I'm a, like Jason Derulo says, another song lyric, I know our, our listeners like me to throw one in. I'm riding solo, uh, but I've got two guests on. Uh, Lee and Peter are otherwise engaged tonight. Uh, you know, we know what Pete's like anyway, uh, with his, his James Bond antics and his work and life. But Lee, Lee's also a bit busy, so delighted to have on the show Chris Hume. And for the first time, I've, I've uh, been on, on his show for the Toffee Blues quite often, but, but Callum Snell is also joining mm-hmm. me as well. Uh, so w- welcome both. I'm gonna I'm gonna obviously bring you bring you both in. We're recording a couple of days post Merseyside derby. Obviously, Everton didn't uh, didn't really show up. To be perfectly honest, it was a disappointing performance. It's got to be said. Um, obviously, Liverpool won the game by two goals to nil. Callum, I'm going to come to you first if I can. Um, obviously, you know after the Arsenal game, we'd spoken, hadn't we, uh, on on the Toffee Blues podcast about this. That you know the certainly Evertonians had that bit more hope. Some of us maybe got a little bit a bit more carried away than others. Read maybe a bit too much into that that one win because it was still only two wins in fifteen games. Bear in mind, um, and and we thought obviously travelling to Anfield, a uh, difficult game anyway. But there, there would be a, a much improved showing than than in previous seasons. Um, but Everton's sure falls at Anfield reared their ugly head once again, didn't they? Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Um, on the back of the Arsenal game. We were all expecting that it's a great opportunity for us to go to Anfield and really puff our chests out and have a go, not to mention Liverpool's own form at the moment. Um, so there was a lot of talk and a lot of noise that I wasn't really a fan of, to be honest, going into this fixture, that any 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 time that there's a fragment of expectation on Everton, we all know how that usually ends up. So I wasn't too much of a fan about that going into this of all fixtures. Um, but, you know... With a derby, you try your best as Evertonians to not think about it too much because we know how it normally ends. But then you get into the, like an hour, 40 minutes before kickoff and then you start to think, oh, what if, what if, which I'm sure we're all guilty of. But um, yeah, I think on the game itself, you know, I'm sure we'll get into much detail, but, you know, my broad thoughts are we just didn't turn up, as you said, Mike. Um, I was disappointed. I thought we'd give it more of a go. Um, but I think you could tell in the early stages, especially in the you know first 10, 15 minutes, they were really up for it that night. I think I think it's got to be said their fans were really up for it, and um, and we just went to pieces, unfortunately. And it's it's just something we're, we're so used to seeing. Obviously, Ellis Sims coming in, it's a massive call. That was a really big call to bring him in. No Dominic Calvert Lewin, and there just didn't seem to be that much of a plan really. And you know when Liverpool got that first goal, without trying to sound too negative, it was very difficult to see how how Everton could really attack that game and get something from it given the way the way it was going I think you're totally right in, in what you're saying like you know the, all the talk before the game obviously we were on a high from the Arsenal game but what I, what I thought was totally baffling going into the game was a lot of the, the media coverage and a lot of the, the media personalities were saying oh Everton probably slight, slight favourites for this game and I just think to myself what, what plans are you on yeah. Liverpool in terms of the squad that they've assembled, the money that they've spent, 
they, they've got a, a quality squad. You know, on, on the bench, players coming back from injury, you've got the likes of Firmino, you've got the likes of Jota, you've got the likes of uh, Virgil van Dijk, just sit, sit on the bench. We're having to play a young kid who's been recalled from loan of Sunderland to, to come and try and fill the boots of, of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And obviously, we know how important our, our centre-forward is to, to this, this particular system uh, and what attributes they, they actually need. So I thought all the talk before the game was absolutely baffling. I've got, I've got to be honest, as much as, you know, I, I love my team and what have you, we know we're, we are inferior when it comes to, to Liverpool. It's as simple as that. We're not as good a football side, but we are where we are for a reason. Um, so we always thought that was strange, but Chris, what, what, what were your what were your thoughts on on the on the approach to the game? Like Callum, you know, Callum said there to start the first ten or fifteen. You know, we weren't we weren't horrendous, and 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 I think as time went on before that first goal, we we start we calmed things down a little bit. But obviously, Liverpool quite clearly, you know, all, all the commentary was around how good they looked sort of early on, you know, the best he performed early on in the game for quite a few weeks. You know, we, at, at that point, it's that, you know, might, might be a bit of a bit of a daft question, but at that, at that point, were you, were you a little bit fearful for, for the game when you saw how how well they played and how poor we had started? I, I thought, like, when, when we, like, the first, say, 10, 15 minutes, I thought, like, it would be like Arsenal where, you know, we took the, under the pressure, didn't we? And then we exploited them you know, when everyone burst together, it didn't seem like anyone was, you know, trying to exploit anything like we did against Arsenal. And they were obviously taking advantage of Coleman and Mikolenko and used, I think it was it uh, the right-hand side constantly, weren't they? And, and I think Salah and Arnold were causing Mikolenko all sorts of trouble. And after, you know, I mean, after the first, say, the 50 minutes, and, and obviously they were putting so much pressure on that side of the pitch, it worried me. Because obviously when we played Arsenal, we used say McNeil and and Mikolenko were coming together, weren't they? And it just wasn't working. And the midfield side of things, like, you know, when you when you first look at it, you thought you know our midfield should really control that. Considering the injury and the age of Henderson, um, Fabinho's not exactly played fantastic all season for Liverpool, and the young lad, I'm not going to pronounce his name because I'm probably going to destroy it. He was outstanding by. By you know, for Liverpool accounts, just they couldn't get a grip of the game, and I just think you know, what I mean, and it was the passing as well. It was frustrating because they were going stray constantly. The the passings out to Seamus Coleman, just you know, normal a normal pass that was you know, we missing his foot and going out for a throw in, and that happened what once or twice. And I just don't think we got in terms of the pressure. We just didn't attack them more. We just moved backwards and backwards and. You start seeing that typical Everton at Anfield is becoming more frail, and you know, part of my French is as we always do is we shit the bed at Anfield. Mm. Well, you guys, you guys, and, and that midfield, the points on the midfield is, is really interesting because we were really strong. I thought against Arsenal, I thought all three midfielders in, in obviously Garner, Gay, Onana, and, and Decore performed particularly well, especially the Decore in terms of the fact he'd been out for so long and not been getting any game time, he, and he came in and, and I thought. You know, it was as good as he'd looked since probably the early part of the previous season under Rafael Benitez, to be honest, when he started the season like a house on fire. So to then go to Anfield, like you say, you know, with the issues that they've they've got, um, you know, the fact, you know, Jordan Henderson, um, he's getting on a little bit now. We got this young kid, you know, who let's be honest, you know, we we should be we should be bullying those kind of players, obviously. Quality footballer, he showed that, but we allowed we allowed him to be that. We were just we were so far off it, and you know those those early early minutes, it was for me a little bit a little bit alarm bells, and and then obviously we did we did manage I thought to calm things down, and I felt a little bit more settled, and I thought you know we're getting a little bit we're slowing them down, you know we we were getting a bit more of a grip of the game, we were then forcing set pieces, which then led to obviously. A fantastic chance. It was almost a carbon copy of the the goal the previous weekend against Arsenal. You know, the corner comes in. Uh, James Tarkowski, great header. Great. I, I thought that was up. I thought it was in, off the post. And then this is for me. This was the probably the most disappointing thing with both goals. Liverpool, we know on the break, they're very very quick. What absolutely baffled me, Callum, for the first goal was. How many opportunities did we have to break the play up in terms of do something cynical, take the man out, 
stop it, get a yellow card, reset. How many times? I think Seamus Coleman edge of the box was one. I'd argue Garner should have because he was he was going, wasn't he? Uh, was with Nunes who, who crossed the ball and he went with him. Should should have should have got there. And then and then you look at obviously Jordan Pickford's side to read the cross and gone to the ball as a man on the back post and comes to Salah in the middle and he just slapped the ball in an empty net. How many mistakes and how naive have you got to be to concede that kind of goal? Well, th- this is it, and I think the most frustrating thing for me about that goal is that, you know, we know Liverpool have got a lot more pace than us. We know that Liverpool are dangerous on the attack, and albeit it was it was so unlucky how it, was, how it could have been on the back of us putting ourselves a goal ahead, but you, you're so right in what you're saying. Sean Dyke spoke about, in, in the aftermath of the Arsenal game, about utilising the dark arts a little bit and using the ugly side of football, and you've got two players there in Seamus Coleman and Idrissa Garnagay, who are two of the most experienced players in the squad, who you'd expect to, you know, throw in a challenge, you know, take the booking. And if he does that, and then we can start to take the sting out the game. Because I think every time we're playing Liverpool at Anfield, a lot of it is about taking the sting out the game. A lot of it is breaking up the play. And that's how I think, you know, you alluded to it before, Mike, about how, you know, when we did that, we, we looked a bit settled. You know, it was all a bit frantic when Liverpool were getting into their groove a little bit too much. So, you know, you just throw in a challenge there, don't you? You take the booking and we know Darwin Nunez is going is gonna to absolutely... You know, blitz Seamus Coleman for pace, but Seamus Coleman has been around long enough to know that you take the professional foul, or just a guy again knows that you you just take the booking. And, and for me, that was disappointing to see. And then you know, the goalkeeper's in no man's land, and and it was it was only going to be um, one 0 Liverpool at that point, wasn't it? It was, and and like you say, going back to to Sean Dyche's comments and in regards regards to the to the dark arts, and, and I said on last last week's show how impressed I was with against Arsenal. Do, you know, we were doing those things. Neil Mope on Zinchenko, the way he pulled his head towards him, and then he went down holding his own face, causing a melee. Little things where you know we were wasting a bit of time here and there, you know, breaking up play. We did all those things well. And I, I sat there and I said, said to the lads on the show, I said, you know what, maybe we're, we're learning a bit there. That because for me, those are the little things that can win and lose your points. Just little things like that. And one one game which which is you know it should be at the forefront of your mind is a Merseyside derby yeah. at Anfield. Get the crowd quiet for one, but also you know it's going to be a difficult game, and you've got to take you've got to, those marginal gains that you that you are going to need to get something from the fixture. You've got to, you've got to dip it, but it wasn't even it wasn't even as I say difficult to make those decisions. It was dead it was dead simple. It was dead easy, you know. And okay. You're going, to, you're going to get booked and, and what have you. You've got to do it. You've got to do it because what, what's, what's the alternative? Well, we found out. You go 1-0 down. We found out. We went 2-0 down. You know, started the second half because yet again, Seamus Coleman, halfway line, could have broken play up by taking his, taking his man, just whip his legs. Again, booked, stopped play and it doesn't happen. We don't go 2-0 down. And those are the things that if we want to stay in the Premier League, we've got to become Proficient, it's as simple as that. And there's players there, there's, there's experience there. You know, you look at Connor Cody late on when there was a clash with with uh, Andy Robertson, you know, with obviously Pickford was over and, and you know, in the end, Cody got him around the back of the neck and, and all Adam was, there was a, you know, a bit, a bit of a melee with the substitutes and things like that. But there's experienced players there who, who know exactly how that, you know, to, to, to use those marginal gains to our advantage. And it was all, and I hate I hate the expression of, of bottling it, but you always think, you know, we, we've been there so many times in the past where we always seem to, to like shrinking violets in, and and it wasn't it wasn't a tasty, it wasn't a lively game in, in terms of Merseyside derbies. It wasn't a game where people were getting poleaxed and and anyone should be well, they shouldn't be fearful anyway. But you know what I mean? That there shouldn't be any fear from anyone there, and it just seemed that the that there was a little bit, and that we we were we were naive. And once that first goal went in, it was almost as if then, well, how are we going to create a chance? How are we going to create a chance? Because obviously we were going long quite often. Ellis Sims, listen, best will in the world, and and you know Sean Dice was throwing him in. I understand the decision because he is he's a bigger presence than than Neil Mopay. Like I've said to many people, he's not hasn't got the same attributes as Donna Calvert Lewin. He's not great in the air. He's not as strong. He's not as quick. Um, he's a different kind of striker altogether. But he's he's closer to Don than Neil Mopay is. 
But you know, we when you go one nil down that game, you think, well, all we've got here is trying to force a set piece, and that's yeah. that's the concern. Um, but Chris, were you going going back to Ellison's? Were you surprised to see the manager giving the nod over over Neil Mopay, given the fact that Neil Mopay is a proper wind-up merchant? And I know, obviously, he's he's not great in the air. He's a lot smaller than, than Calvert-Lewin. But were you surprised to see the manager give Ellis, Ellis Sims a nod in, in the game against Liverpool? Yeah, um, obviously, when the team news came out, obviously, I went, went and looked at it, and uh, yeah, Ellis Sims was there starting. was a bit surprised, but, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's courage... From Dice, you know, to to throw in the young lad. Um, obviously, people would have gone well, well pay. Um, I, I mean, I personally thought maybe Damari Gray would have started up front. You know, to see if he get in behind the, the defenders. But you know, with with Ellis Sims, you you can see throughout the game he was obviously nervous. It was his you know second game he's ever started. Chelsea and Liverpool for the young lad for the games he started. You know, the difficult games. But you know, when he did actually win headers though. Nobody on the wings was right up next to him. Like when we played Arsenal, when, when Calvert-Lewin got a got a header in, McNeil or Owobi were straight in. When he did win headers, there was there was nobody there, you know, to pick up the ball. And you know, I mean, I I, I find it frustrating. And then you you went you said about him coming back from Sunderland. He should have stayed at Sunderland because that's where he's going to progress and that's where he's going to get better. I feel like throwing Ellis Sims. You know, back from Sunderland back to us, he's not going to be a saviour. It's a lot of pressure to put on a young lad where we're struggling to score goals. You know, our main striker can't stay fit. And I do feel for him. Um, but, you know, we've got to hope that maybe something clicks if he is given the go-ahead maybe against Leeds and Aston Villa, you know, the games that are coming up. Molpe, I find very frustrating. And again, I get what you mean. He's a wind-up merchant. But I suppose that only works if we're winning or, you know, we're, we're in a game. And you're right, but I think we we were in a game. You know, for for the best part of half hour, we were in a game, aren't we? And and you know, I think most people would have thought, again, you know, as much as many people were have been crying for Sims to get a start for for quite a while when when Dom's not being fit or since since he's been brought back, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the general consensus was that it would be Mopay who started the game, but that brought concerns because obviously, like you say, if we're going to be going long. You know he's not he's not facing the air, so then you got, you're looking at your midfield then to to pick up second balls or push push Onana on, which we did against Arsenal when Mopey came on to try and win that that first header. Uh, but but Sims though Sims Callum, you know he's he got brought back in, which was a, a surprise to everybody in in terms of, of the club recalling him. He was brought back in because of obviously the injury concerns surrounding Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, my understanding was that. Obviously, we would get a striker in over the course of January, and then he would then go back to Sunderland. Is what is what my understanding was. That was, I think, the general feeling as well. Um, whereas, obviously, now he's been thrown into a Merseyside derby. The transfer window's closed, and and the kid, you know, and this is this is no slight on him. He's been thrown in to the most difficult of games. He's not had much, you know, minimal first team Premier League football for a start. A lot of development to do. Um, did, did you feel did you feel for him like like Chris was saying there? Did you feel from the fact that you know he's being lent on there to to you know to be some kind of hero for us on on the on the day and even going forward? I did, I did, I did feel sorry for Ellis Sims. I feel like if there's ever an advert for the uh, for the problems for the outside looking in at Everton Football Club, it's exactly that, Mike. You know, you look at Ellis Sims there, a kid who was going okay at Sunderland. Very well thought of there as well from uh, from what I from what I've seen, um, and I was like yourself. I, I thought he was being brought back as as sort of like a worst case scenario situation. Um, in in case we didn't get a striker, obviously we all know we didn't. But you know it, it just it just comes back round to this big you know circus, don't it? How you know we were promised to get a striker in, we haven't got one. We're relying on Dominic Calvert Lewin's fitness, we know he's not fit, and then you find yourself. In you know the middle of February, playing a young lad who's only had you know very very fractionate Premier League minutes leading the line in the Merseyside derby for Everton, who are also in a relegation battle. It's unbelievable, and you know Ellis Sims, I think he does have potential. I think there were signs there that he can he can come good into a very useful player. I think he showed signs that he can 
obviously there's room for improvement. We're looking at very raw talents, of course we are, but you know, sort of like an Anachibi type of play, you know, holds the ball up and lay it off. They're the sort of they're the sort of you know skills that maybe going forward Ellis Sims can really can really utilize. But as I say, it's a massive game for him. You know, he's he's a young lad. He's been used to be playing at a different level. And, you know, to, to come in against, you know, Liverpool, let's have it right, one of the best teams in Europe, albeit they've not been playing the best they can. It was a huge ask for him. I've, I did feel very sorry for him. And, um, yes, he was subbed off. I think that was inevitable. But it just, it just you know, amplifies the need for, for strikers and that we didn't get them. And, unfortunately, you know, we've said many times, haven't we, Mike, you, uh, you reap what you sow. Correct, yeah. Totally correct. And like you say, it's, a, it's the perfect advert for... You know the forever football club and what a disaster um, it's it's been in, in recent years, probably especially and, and more more recently that January transfer window when we've come out of it in a much worse position. Uh, and we're going to touch on the striker situation obviously in more detail shortly. But obviously back to the game. I'd mentioned obviously about us going going two 0 down so soon after half time and and not doing you know not not fouling the man on the halfway line to stop to stop the uh, the attack. And obviously, people. I saw comments after the game where people mentioned it's it's the um, one of the worst derby performances they've ever seen. And I felt like saying, you know, did you sit there for the five two? I know, yeah. <laughs> sit there for, for, for games under Roberto Martinez in in recent times, you know, yeah. because there's been some absolutely awful performances at Anfield by Everton. Two 0 flattered us, Mike. I thought I thought two 0 flattered us, mate. I, th- I think it did. I think it, I think it did to, to an extent. I think what what I'd probably say is that. Liverpool, I think at 2-0, probably took the foot off the gas a little bit, to be yeah. honest. They, they knew the game was won. And I think if they wanted to inflict a bit more pain, they could have done. I've got to be honest. Um, because we were flat, you know, the, the, the players' body language at 2-0 sort of said it all, really, didn't it? We didn't really press. We had the one chance with Tom Davis, which, listen, should have scored. It's a great cross from Alex Iwobi, I think it was. Back post, unmarked. Six yards out on the angle. He's got to score. He's got to score yeah. ahead. And, you know, if that's, if that's Dom... Um, you know, if that's probably Onana coming in, maybe it's a different story. And and you know, it gives you a sort of nervy last 15 minutes as the home side then. Um, but we didn't look like creating anything at all once we've gone, once we've gone 2 0 down. Obviously, the manager looking to, to protect Amadou Onana pulls him off, knowing knowing probably that the, that the that the game was gone. Um obviously knowing there's there's, there's bigger games on the on the horizon, especially this weekend against Leeds United. But all in all, it, it it's got to be said that the performance was not befitting of a of a Everton derby performance, whether you're home or away. We we expected we expected more. Um, it shows you the work that's got to be still done by by the manager, you know. And we we, we shouldn't have been getting carried away after the Arsenal game as as good as it was, as, as good as the performance was. I think there's a lot of factors played into into that performance, and and it does give us hope, of course. But um, the I think we've been been brought back down to earth from from a great height after after what we saw what we saw at Anfield. But one one I suppose semi positive Chris was the return of Demari Gray off the bench, which I thought you got a good thing 20, 25 minutes in the end. And looking at him out of everybody, I think on the day he was on on the pitch for a short period of time. I thought he showed something. I've got to be honest. I thought that he showed a willingness to carry the ball to go at them with with a bit of pace. Um, so looking, obviously looking at that, are you pleased to see him to see him back? And and looking, obviously looking, uh, you know, like like a threat really. And and we've got a little bit of hope with. I think with players like that, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I but this is why we're going back to what you said before. What I said before is I, I my pick would have been Damari Gray to start. The derby and have him as sort of like say a false nine, but you know, in you know, sort of coming around the sides of the defenders. So seeing him come on, and you can see what he can do that he can carry ball. You know, he's, he's got a few tricks, hasn't he? Sometimes, obviously, his passing isn't fantastic, and sometimes he labours when it comes to come, going towards a defender where he'll turn back and, and pass it back to the midfield of defence. Um, but going forward, I, I think maybe Damari Gray over Molpe and Ellison should maybe sort with Leeds or maybe Aston Villa, depending on obviously which way Dice is going to go with it. You know, I mean, Dice could change things up, so we don't know at that point, at this point. But I, I, I'd I, like Damari Gray. I think if he can just pull some consistency into his game a bit more, 
then I, you, we'll see the best of him because I mean, we know he can he can crack a shot. We know he can score spectacular. We know he can take players on. We just need to see more of that going forward. And if we haven't got Carver Lewin, I feel like he's the most well, the more more of a threat we've got going forward having him in the team than having Mopé and Ellis Sims in there. Yeah, I think you. I think if, if obviously the Maigre had maybe been a little bit fitter, that little bit closer, because we know obviously um, Sean Dyson mentioned before the Arsenal game he hadn't hadn't seen that week, had he? Which was a big thing. So he was he wasn't fitter to play any kind of part there. Uh, but then obviously he had then a full week scene, and I still don't think he was a hundred percent right. Um, but it would have been an interesting interesting take to actually actually have him start the game um, and go at them with a little bit of pace. But obviously. The concern, the concern is that the way that we set up, it was similar under Frank Lampard in terms of there's a reliance on, on, on a big man, isn't it? That's the thing. It's on someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin in terms of who's good in the air, who can hold the ball up, got that bit of pace as well, who can make the run into the box. And, and to be fair, I think the best part of Dom's game since working under Carlisle and is his movements, and he's got a, he's got the movements of a striker, which is where we probably lack with other other players, which we don't we don't particularly see. Um, but it'd be interesting. What, 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 you know, Callum, what are your thoughts on, on going forward here? Obviously, we saw the experiment with with Ellis Sims against Liverpool, um, and you know, we're not we're not, not slating him. Very difficult. You saw the manager early on tell him just to calm himself down because obviously nervous. Of course, he was excited. Um, difficult game, of course. So he was telling him to calm down. He looked like he was absolutely knackered by the time he came up. I've got, I've got to be honest. Um, understandably so but what are your thoughts obviously going into now obviously we, we're going to discuss Leeds in, in a bit more detail af- after the break but we've got Leeds we've got Aston Villa obviously Arsenal away we've got we've got Nottingham Forest Brentford on the horizon you know we, we've got we've got games we've got games where you know we're going to have to potentially make decisions because the way the manager was speaking post-match about Dominic Calvert-Lewin he was asked I think by Joe Thomas of the Echo you know about Dom's return and he said well I'm not really sure where he's up to because we've got a twofold issue here we've got a hamstring injury which we've got to sort out and we've also got we, we've the issue in terms of making his body fit to play football to play Premier League football so what what would you do in terms of the, the striker situation it's it's so hard isn't it because we're dealing with such limited resources so it's it, it's really hard to say Um I think Ellis Sims, you, you, I think if you're playing him on his own, it's either stick or twist, stick with him and hopefully he improves and improves or, you know, just try and play a different way with Neil Maupai. Um, but obviously the, this long ball sort of football won't really suit his his game. Having said that, prior to the Arsenal game, I think a lot of people did expect a 4-4-2 from Deitch. Um, whether that's something that he starts to slowly start to implement and plays Maupai and Sims up top together, I, I don't know. Is that a different uh, way to play? Of course, if, if that is the way forward, a midfield is going to have to be sacrificed, um, which would be very harsh on the back of that Arsenal performance. But but I'd go back to that point I made, but it's just so difficult, isn't it? Because we just have such limited resources, you know, providing, providing you know, Calvert Lewin's out. We have our only really source for out and out forwards are Sims and Malpai, which is a let's be honest, it's a it's a very scary thought, isn't it? Um, you know, you mentioned there, Chris, about you know Damari Gray going straight through the middle, potentially, potentially, but then Damari Gray, you might, you might have you know chances he's missed as well. It it doesn't fill you with much hope, but the manager's gonna have to come up with something, and I think it'll be very it'll be a, very interesting to see how he approaches this Leeds game on Saturday. What are your thoughts, Chris, on that? Obviously, like like Calm said, you would mentioned the Maigre is maybe an option for the derby, which is obviously it, it didn't it didn't happen, but he did come on, uh, obviously playing a playing a wider role um, in a sense. But he obviously he was he was given a bit of a license here. He was he to sort of sit to come inside and, and what have you with obviously Ellis, Ellis Sims going going off. Um, but with with the system that we do play. You know, is it going to case of will Sean Dice stick with the one up front? Is it is there an option? Now, this is only only my thinking. I was I was chatting with Lee after the game um, on on Monday, and we think back to the David Moyes era where, and I hate making comparisons like that, but and Fellini was pushed on, and Fellini was great money. You know, in yeah. terms of you know, I used to say that, you know the best chest in world football. He, he was fantastic, bringing that ball down, 
bringing other players in. He was big, he was strong, he was awkward, big long legs, pointy elbows, all that. He was he was a centre half's worst nightmare. Now, is is it potentially an option to look at as a you know a, a bit of a fallback option? Do you look at putting Amadou Anani a little bit more advanced to literally play almost as a, just behind the front man to do that very job, playing alongside a Neil Mopay maybe, or even now people might laugh at this, but I've I've, I've seen and heard worse ideas. Michael Keane, you know, and even and even I can hear you mean it because only Michael Keane, you know. Yeah. There are options, and, and it's because we're in such a poor situation, by the way, because we shouldn't even be talking like this, but we're in such a poor situation. We've got to look for remedies and, and look for a way of, of getting out of this this hole that we're in. Well, you're saying about throwbacks, you say about Michael Keane, we can go further back and say Steve Watson, can't we? Yeah, he, Steve Watson, you know, then again, he did score a few goals, didn't he, Steve? Um, but it's, it's a conundrum, isn't it? It's hard, it's hard to sort of place, yeah. Tamari Gray, maybe, and you say about Fellaini, but he had Cahill with him, and Cahill, you know, had all the, all the attributes to score goals, which you can't really put your finger on anybody in the team at the moment that has, you know, that, that quality. He's like Tim Cahill or Fellaini brought to the team. I know, obviously, Anana and Fellaini height similarities and stuff like that. Maybe do you, do you go four four two, and 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 maybe use a Molpe and an Ellis Sims, or do you do and Ellis Sims and Adamari Grace just sitting behind him so if he can get the knock on, you know, maybe Adamari Grace can get through that way. Michael Keane, again, as you said, because Michael Keane, you know, he, he scored the odd good goal here and the one, the one against Palace last season. That was a nice off, off the side of his foot in, wasn't it? Um, that's all yeah, I've got. Though. That, that, that's all I've got as, as evidence for someone who can actually kick a football towards a goal is Michael Keane scoring one goal against Palace. That's the only argument that I've got for it. He's got a few headers though, hasn't he? And yeah, we mean it. Yeah, yeah, we mean it can score a few headers. But then, how long do we? Fit, how long does he last on the pitch before his Lego breaks and then he's off? Then isn't he? Um, I think. I think neither. Neither are mobile, are they? You know what I mean? Yeah, no. I mean is is a much more out there, out there concept than than Michael Keane, in my opinion, because neither. You know, when you're asking your centre forward to close down at the right time. You're going to struggle because there's no there's no pace in in either Keane or, or Mina. So that would be the big thing for me is that you know they, they can't really replicate what Dom can do in that sense. Well, do you wait for James Garner to come back? And I'm, do I assume that he might be fit for he's, leaving? He's ready for the weekend by all accounts. Yeah. So w- would you go with Anana going more forward and bring in James Garner in the centre and maybe take maybe Decore or Garner off? In, instead of Jay, you know, mm. instead for James Garner, um, and push Anana at more upfield, up, up but then do you keep him McNeil or do you replace him with Gray? Mm. I know it, it, this is this is it. You know, I think that the manager. This is why he gets paid the money that, that he gets paid because you know we're, we're looking at it, and I'd be concerned if if we lost a midfielder. I really would because I think that gives that bit of protection. Garner sitting just in front of the two centre halves and then allowing. The courier and Onana to be the two that do press high when they need to, but then also can then can then drop back in. But we've 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 got to we've got to do something, haven't we? Because it's it's such a a pickle. But you know the, the way the way the mind you were speaking, Callum, after the game and and rumours that that have been circulating on social media. There's a lot of talk around Dominic Calvert Lewin potentially being out for four weeks. You know, for, four weeks is, is a long time. If, even if, if we backdate it to the Arsenal game, within that space, he will have missed. Liverpool, Leeds, Villa, Arsenal, probably Forest, probably five games in those in those four weeks. You know, so the 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 talk and, and the noise coming from from within the club doesn't sound particularly particularly great, does it? It doesn't know, but unfortunately, that's just got to be what's expected now, Dominic Calvert Lewin. And let's be let's be honest, it has been for you know almost two seasons now with him, unfortunately, and it just amplifies the fact how. We, we shouldn't have to pin our hopes on him because, you know, we know he has ability. We know that he, he had a fantastic time under Carlo Ancelotti and before that. And let's have it right, he was he was talked about as one of the, one of the hottest strikers in the league. And we were very surprised that he was <laughs> going to remain with us. But I'm sorry, but I think it's over for him. I, I really do. I just think he doesn't trust his own body anymore. And a lot of it is mental. And you know what? I do feel sorry for him because, as I say, on his day, he's a top, top player and he can still do a job for Everton. But it's just a, a real shame to see to see it come to this where, you know, he's in 
it'll be in for a couple of weeks and then, you know, he might miss one game out of a bit of tightness or precaution and then all of a sudden, before you know it, he's been out for another five or six weeks. And it's just it's just a recurring theme now and it's been recurring for like two years. So it's just something the club has to have to be prepared for. But, you know, we, we all knew that, but the club just aren't prepared for the Ardy. So how we deal with this remains to be seen. But one thing's for sure, if he's going to miss these these games coming up, especially in a relegation battle, it's going to be really, really difficult because we, we saw that he really did dictate the way we played against Arsenal and he was really effective. So to lose that, it's um, it's a big blow. Yeah, I, I, I've got to agree. I said it on last week's, last week's show. I said it going back to the start of the season. In terms of Dominic Cavett-Lewis recovery from injury now and, and even back to the summer, the mental recovery is the tougher one of the two. I, I was thinking back to Daniel Sturridge. Um, you know, we, when he was getting injuries, he literally, he could be past fit. And all the talk about Dom is that he was told there's no, no, no damage to the hamstring, effectively. He's feeling a bit of tightness, but he's not trusting his body at all. His head's telling him, no, that, that I can't play, I can't play. And that, that's, a, that's a big, a big, big concern. And, you know, if you've got a player like that, he doesn't trust his own body. And you've, you've got, you know, we, we're seeing it now. We've got a player who's fifth, maybe 50% of the games. And that's that's just no good. And, and, you know, we keep on mentioning the situation around not bringing a striker in. They should have brought a striker in with the same attributes as, as Cavalu in, in the summer. It yeah, shouldn't have been, you know, with all due respect to, to Mopay, you know, we shouldn't have been spending £30 million on Neil Mopay when he could have spent £10, £50 million on somebody from the Italian league. There was various names mentioned. You've got the same attributes as as Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who, you know, are not, I've got the same injury issues that he's got. So when we're in this situation, you use Dom as the backup striker. So he's not then thinking, oh, I'm starting week in, week out. He hasn't got that pressure on him and hasn't got that pressure on his body. So you use him as the player off the bench and you bring a new striker in and you start them. And as as Everton do, they've got it totally, they've got it totally wrong and they've gambled. And the gamble is the biggest gamble this club will ever, ever take. And if we get relegated, it will all go back to this January transfer window and not backing Sean Dyson bringing in sort of at least one attacker. We really needed two or three. Let, let, let's get that right. Um, but it's a it's it's a massively difficult situation Sean Dyson finds himself in in terms of trying to find a remedy for, for our attacking issues uh, because without set pieces, it showed against Liverpool, you know, what did we create? Not a lot. We created a lot more against Arsenal, it's got to be said. But we, we were we were really forcing issues from set pieces against Arsenal, I thought. Um, but listen, it's uh, that game's gone. And we mentioned there, you know, there's, there's huge games on the horizon now and there's, there's none any bigger than what happens at Goodison Park this Saturday against Leeds United. And we're going to discuss that after today's break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Tennessee podcast. And it's all eyes on Goodison Park this weekend now, isn't it? Saturday, Leeds United are, are in town. Um, who sit a, a place on the point above above where we are. Um, obviously, currently, without a manager, after after Jesse March was uh, given his marching orders. Um, so they they've got a a temporary manager, interim manager again, if you if you like, who's who's taken a couple of games so far, both against Manchester United. So they picked up one point in those those two games. Um, thought they were thought they were very good at Old Trafford, um, and and I thought they were a little bit naive. I've got to say when they played United at home, um, I think you know they they probably pushed maybe too hard for a winner. When really when they were sitting on the point with about fifteen to go, they should have maybe thought well that that'll be that's not a bad point. Um, but listen, in a, in a difficult situation as we are. Differences they they backed their manager in the January transfer window and spent spent a bit of money and, and brought in brought in a bit of quality as well. It's it's got to be said, you know. I think that the, the squad on the whole is not a bad squad at all. Uh, I certainly don't think that they that they should be where they are. Um, but games don't come much bigger than this, do they, Chris? You know, this given where we are in the season, given where both sides are, given what's at stake for us, win. Get yourself out of the relegation zone. So, from a, a mental perspective and a confidence perspective, if we can win the game, it's absolutely huge. If we lose the game, it's absolutely huge, isn't it? So, 
it's it's a game that as fans, I know I know I'm I've been there since since probably yesterday morning to be honest with you, thinking about the game. It's a game as fans that we just it doesn't bear thinking about does it losing this game. No. Would you would you would you class it now as a a make or break for Everton in, in, in this current period now? Because that's where it's sort of played in my head because we can't lose this. We can't lose this, really. Because, they're, again, we're giving up points to another relegation battlers. For what, for, would this be for the, the fourth time? Mm. We, we, well, we yeah, have, we've, we've lost we lost Southampton. We lost to Bournemouth before the World Cup. Wolves. We lost the yeah. Wolves. So, yeah, we lost be, you know, we've five, lost yeah. to all these sides, aren't we? All these sides down there. Again, there's there's a, a bit of a gap forming now, obviously. West Ham are on 20. Leeds 19 or 18. But above West Ham, Wolves are on 23, so you, you, you're getting a gap form. And so if, if we were to fall further behind and, you know, God forbid, West Ham get a win as well, you're looking, you're staring down the barrel almost. Not, not, not to the point, that, by the way, that we're definitely going to go down, but yeah. we can't afford to lose this game. No, um, it's, it's, we've got to get something out of it. We can't, like you said, we can't lose it. Really, maximum points would be terrific for us. We can... Again, get back on the positive train. Move up. A, I think do we move up at a place in the league, don't we? If we beat Leeds, and then then we roll on. Yeah, yeah. Then we roll on to Aston Villa for a bit more positive, and we've got them back at Goodison, which helps with everybody there. Everton's has got to come into play, but you know, but we just talked everything about having strikers or you know a player that can make a goal. It, 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 I, I just I struggle to think where who's going to be in position. Players wise, when we play Leeds, and I, I, my head, I can't picture, I can't place who I want. And and Leeds, obviously, as you say, bought some good players. Uh, the young Italian lad looks absolutely dangerous and full of pace. And then it makes me worry to think, what's Cody and, and Tarkovsky going to be like up against someone like him who, who can burst and break, break through? Um, but yeah, we have to win this, really. I mean, I'll take a draw, obviously, but we can't. We've got to win. We, we need we need points. And we need to take every home game and get as maximum as we can. Yeah, totally, totally with you on that one. And obviously the, the players that Leeds have got, uh, the, the wide players especially, Somerville, Pace, mm. Monso, Pace. You know, you've you've got then McKenny, quality footballer, Adams, quality footballer. I think Harrison is underrated. Yeah. Bamford's always, you know, got a goal on them as well. Him and Don very very similar. Um, I think in terms of what what they what they bring what they bring to, to the side, um, he's just not not quite as, as athletic. But I think he's got a real life for goal, Patrick Bamford. So the, as an attacking threat, Callum, the, you know they the really are a side that we, we've got to be wary of. And I mean, would would you look at making any kind of changes defensively to try and deal with that? Yes, I would actually. Yeah, I think um, you know you mentioned there about the pace and the attacking threat that Leeds have, and I agree with you. I think Leeds were have looked impressive in the two games against Manchester United. Um, they, obviously, they went to bits a little bit at Old Trafford, but you know to go in for a two 0 lead, there's fantastic. I thought until they conceded, I thought they were the better side. Ellen Road against Manchester United, and the, you know the pace and and you know the attacking threat that they have is something that we're going to have to really contend with. And for that reason, I, I might look towards maybe a Ben Godfrey coming into the side just to mash them for pace because, you know, Coleman's been been run ragged. <laughs> you know, he's, he's had to contend with the league leaders one week, then Liverpool and Merseyside Derby the next. I, I just think it's time to maybe bring Ben Godfrey in. Whether, whether that's to play right-back or left-back, I'm not I'm not so sure because neither of the full-backs really are probably... <laughs> bit harsh on Coleman, but I don't think Michelenko goes up to it in my opinion. Uh, but Ben Godfrey, I, I definitely look to bring him in just for a bit of you know a bit of power and just to match the pace that Leeds have. Because you know, as I say, it's it's gonna be a tough game. It's gonna be a really tough game. We know Leeds are down there with us. And I, I just I just thank I just thank God that they haven't got a manager in yet because I feel like th- those players with a new manager bounce could be a very dangerous mix for us. Mm-hmm. And we've just really got a got a we can't go in thinking that this is going to be some kind of game that we can just turn up to and, and get three points because it's not going to be like that at all because I feel like Leeds are very, very dangerous side. I think I think that the, the, the point on the, the full-back situation, obviously, we're, we're potentially bringing in a Ben Godfrey who's got that pace, you, you can match them. I think the thing that we did really well against Arsenal was when we were doubling up on the wire, wasn't it? Martinelli was quick, doubled up on, 
Saka quick. We had every single time the ball went to him, two players out to him, forced him to go back. I think we've got to approach this this game in exactly the same way as much as we can without a Dominic Calvert-Lewin as we did against Arsenal. Because as much as, you know, opposite end of the table in terms of Arsenal and Leeds, they've still got those kind of players that can really hurt our full-backs. And if he does stick with Coleman and Mikhalenko as the two, they're going to need that extra support from Iwobi, from whether it's McNeil, Damari Gray. I mean, probably Dwight McNeil's more suited to, to this system because of the fact defensively he's better than, than Damari Gray. But then you also then think, well, we can't always just think defensively. We've, we've got to think, what can we do as an attacking force? And Damari Gray obviously brings that that pace with him. He's got a, he's got a decent, decent shot on him. We've seen that a few times since he's been a, at Goodison Park. None more so than Dan at the Etihad a few weeks ago. What a fantastic strike that was. And, you know, we, we do need something like that, I think. We need players who can bring something special because as an attacking force, we, we just don't create a great deal of opportunities. And it's um, whether the manager does choose to, to change things at the back is will, will be will be interesting to see. You know, we, we, you'd even look at the centre-halves, you know, big yeah, you mean it. He's been fit now for a few weeks, does he get the nod? Because I still think, and I say it every single time we discuss him, he's still our best sense of heart by a country mile. So if he's fit and, you know, his body can hold up, then throw him in. But obviously, every single time he's, he's been put on the pitch, I think this season, at some point, he's broken down and that's that's always the concern with him. But such a such a tough, tough game. But do you think it's must win, Callum? You know, like Chris was saying, you know, if we get something from the game, then fine, but do you think it's a must win? Yeah, I do. I do, Mike. Yeah. And, and I say that because I remember coming back from the World Cup and we had two games back to back at home, I think it was. And um, and everyone said, this, this is a great chance. I think it was, uh, it was Wolves and Brighton. Um, and, you know, everyone, everyone thought it was a great opportunity for us to really kickstart the season. And we didn't do it. And, you know, it's not often you get two back-to-back home games like this and albeit we had Lampard as manager at the time, but we can't afford to let it pass us by this time. We really can't. Albeit Brighton, but a far superior side than um, Aston Villa and um, Leeds at this moment in time. However, you know, you know, Chris mentioned before, is it make or break? I, I, I think it is. You know, because I, the me- me- mentally, what it'll do for us to get three points and just looking at the table and seeing that we're out of it. And you know, you look at some of the other fixtures this weekend. Um, off the top of my head, I can't, can't really remember. But I think West Ham don't have an easy fixture again this weekend. West Ham, West Ham are away at Spurs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was a, t- a tough one like that. You look at you look at games like that, and you know teams around us. Then and we just we, it just feels like we've been in the bottom three for, for so long now, and we just need to, to pull out of it. It's a fantastic opportunity, and then to go into that Villa game as well, we can then kick on again. And before you know it, you're starting to keep up pace with the likes of Wolves and Forest. Then I go back to the point you made, Mike. You can't. There is a bit of a gap forming now, and at this stage in the season. You know, March is on the horizon. I start getting into the, the sort of spring months. You don't. This is not the time for gaps to start be opening up and losing losing touch with with the pack. You've got to you've got to you know maintain some kind of pressure. And what better way to to start doing that by having two games at home with Goodison and with a manager who you know in Sean Dice, if we're going off the Arsenal game, knows how to grind out wins. I'm much more confident with him in the dugout, of course I am, than when Lampard was. But to go back to your question, absolutely, I do think it's it's imperative that Everton come away with three points, not only because Leeds are a fellow relegation rival, but also because of the confidence it'll bring going into the, the next home game in seven days on. Yeah, I've got to say, confidence for me is, is probably the biggest thing. And, you know, it might only be a couple of points above the relegation zone with a win. But... You know, psychologically, that's absolutely huge for us because we've been down there for, for, for so long. It seems like all season there, although it, it hasn't been quite yeah. that, but it's, you know, we, we've been involved in, in that scrap for quite a while. And when you throw it, you know, you add it on to last season as well, it seems like an absolute lifetime that we've been discussing potential relegation. Uh, and we, we've, we've got to do something. And, and hopefully, you know, the, the Goodison effect will be, in, will be in full force. It was against Arsenal. We as fans were absolutely terrific. I think it will be again. Um, Leeds obviously will bring a, a full away following. They, they always travel well, so it's going to be it's going to be a really I think nerve jangling afternoon at Goodison Park. You know we're not going to go three four up, are we? And, and just sail off into the sunset in this game. You know in any game it's going to be it's going to be probably one goal splitting splitting the sides in in, in my opinion. 
Uh, but let's finish off with our, our predictions if we can. Chris, what are you saying for the game? Uh, I'm going 2 1. Everton, I assume. Obviously, yeah, I'm not going to go 2 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2 1 Everton. 2 1. Callum? Uh, I'm going to say 1 0 Everton. I'm going to join you in a in a one mil. I've got to be honest; it's going to be tight as tight as anything. Um, and I'm not even looking forward to it. I've got to be honest. I saw the Arsenal game as a bit of a free hit, you know. Yeah, so I, I sat there; I was quite relaxed all game. I've got to be honest. And this is this is totally different for me. Come yeah. come Saturday, and hopefully it, it, it can can kickstart a, a bit of a run of form. And you know, can we can we can we start some kind of a Positive, positive run of games now. The positivity it's, after the Arsenal game was amazing, wasn't it? It was so good to yeah. come away from a game and just to feel upbeat. I know, okay, we lost the derby, but you know the derby's the derby in it. You know, but to come away again with with that good feeling, come away from Goodison and to carry that into Goodison again, I, I feel like the importance of that can't be understated. So really good, so really great. You know, we we all want to feel that that again. You know, we we were all sort of jubilant and on, on cloud nine and. As, as I say, you know, maybe some of us uh, uh, over the course of the, the last week or so got a bit carried away, and we, we all knew that you know Everton being Everton, it would always come come back to bite us. But what we would say is, if if you offer those three points out of those two games, you would have taken them, wouldn't you? So it doesn't change a great deal, to be honest with you. And a lot of people were saying, you know, I can see us getting nothing from either of those games. If we would have got two points and draw in both, people would have been, I think, absolutely delighted again. So. It's it's how you it's how you view things and from what angle, but you know nothing has changed for me really. It was a great win against Arsenal. It was a, a poor performance at Anfield, but not unexpected. I, I didn't go in the, into the game thinking Everton are going to blow out, blow Liverpool away. Um, so listen, all all eyes now and, and all focus on on Saturday and, and fingers crossed for for a positive outcome. But thank you both for coming on coming on this evening. Re- really enjoyed really yeah, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, we'll be back. On Sunday, after the Leeds game, obviously with uh, Lee and Pete will be back on board for for the weekend show, where we look back at the Leeds game and then look ahead to another important game against Aston Villa. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast: Three Blues, Three Opinions, One Everton Podcast. Podcast Network.